This is a Federal News Network podcast. Deputy Defense Secretary Kathleen Hicks is reviewing the Cybersecurity Maturity Model Certification, CMMC, program. That isn't the death knell for the supply chain security program, though. There are a few things to consider about why a review might make logical sense now. In his weekly Reporter's Notebook, Executive Editor Jason Miller writes about why the review may actually be coming at the perfect time. Jason joins me now with what he's found out. Jason, what do we know about this review? It's not to kill the program? We don't know a lot about the review because it's the DOD's holding it close hold. And, you know, Tom, let's be honest, the Deputy Secretary Kathleen Hicks, she's new. So it's understandable that she is taking this review. But it's also understandable that it's they're holding it fairly closely. Now, a DOD spokeswoman did give us a comment. And basically, they said they're looking at all parts of CMMC to make sure it's going as well as expected, looking for potential improvements for implementation. And now I've learned separately from sources that Stacey Cummings, who's currently performing the duties of the Undersecretary of Defense for Acquisition and Sustainment, where CMMC falls under, actually issued a memo a few weeks weeks ago outlining two specific areas, including CMMC implementation as one of those areas for a review. So again, it's just getting started. I'm told it's going to be a quick turnaround. This is not going to be a six-month or an eight-month review. I wouldn't be surprised, Tom, if it's a six-day or six-days-and-a-half review. It's going to be quick. It's going to be using information that exists already. And I think part of it is to get, again, Deputy Secretary Hicks up and running with what is the embassy, how is it working, and bring a fresh set of eyes looking at this. Because now there is a appointee for the Deputy Undersecretary for Acquisition and Logistics coming in. So presumably that person would want to take a look at this also. I think that person understands what's been going on because it's the former director, well, the soon-to-be former director of the Defense Innovation Unit. Right. So I'm sure they are familiar with CMMC and and how it's been going because that's going to impact what DIU does. So uh, I'm sure there's not a long learning curve there. But, Tom, let's just be honest. I mean, anytime a new administration comes in, and this is what I'm told from several different sources, it's not unusual for them to come in and say, let me see what's going on and understand it. Just because you've heard of CMMC or, you know, if Deputy Secretary Hicks had, had read about CMMC, it doesn't mean she really knows what's happening within CMMC. So that's the thing. A lot of people have said to me, it's not really that big of a deal. While others have said, whoa, whoa, we think it's a bigger deal, but it's unclear why, because we just don't know enough about the what's going on. There are a lot of concerns about CMMC without a doubt. It's not moving as fast as people thought. There's a lot of concerns about what's the requirements that are being put on vendors. There's a lot of discussion around, okay, what about reciprocity with things like FedRAMP? And that's one of the things that actually I talked to Matt Gilbert about. He's a, he, he helped leads the uh, government contracts practice at Baker Tilly. And he, while he could not comment directly on the review, he said there's a few things out there that DOD really needs to address, like the scoping guidance. That's a big issue. Uh, there's a lot of holdup for the, the third-party assessment organizations, the C3PAOs, uh, for them to kind of get going. And what can they do to accelerate their qualifications and their approvals so they can start looking at vendors and make sure that they are, are meeting level three CMMC and or level one CMMC. So I think there, there are things that can be improved upon. And again, I go back to what I said, what Kathleen Hicks is doing is bringing a fresh set of eyes to the program. We're speaking with Federal News Network's Jason Miller. And there's also the issue that it could be vendors that brought it up to Kathleen Hicks because they saw, well, new change, new people coming in. Here's our chance to get our concerns heard. We may have a better chance with this crew than with the old crew. I think that's a fair observation because I think a lot of vendors are concerned about this. 
because of w- w- they're they're expecting okay wait a minute i have to be certified how do i be certified the infrastructure is not up and running to be certified yet uh for instance at the most recent cmmc accreditation body town hall from march 30th they have 109 total third-party assessment organizations set up and 100 provisional assessors already set, set up as well there's still 332 C3PAO applications pending that the board is reviewing. So there's a lot still more to go. And remember, Tom, over the next five years, which is the extent that this is going to roll out, there's expect the DOD expects at least something to the rounds of like 450,000 contractors to have to go through the program in one way or another. Many, many of those will have to go through level one, but there'll be a fair number at level three and, and still large numbers at level four and five, those smaller ones comparably. But there's, there's still the whole piece getting set up. And even the folks at the CMMCAB talk about the fact that they uh, getting to a level three is, is is complicated. The assessments take a while, and it relies on the defense contract management agencies, what they call the DIBCAC, the Defense Industrial Base Cyber Accreditation Center, to ensure that these vendors meet level three. So there's another piece to this that still is not in, in necessarily in, in place yet. And so there's a lot that still gets to, has to get done before DOD can really roll out CMMC. And even the people I've talked to admit that the goal was to roll this out fast and they will make mistakes along the way and there will be some course corrections. And maybe what's happening with Kathleen Hicks is this is one of those times when they're saying, okay, do we need a course correction? If so, what does it look like? And what has the congressional interest been for all of CMMC? Because they have not been ignoring it. Not at all. They've been very focused on it. In fact, in the 2021 Defense Authorization Bill, there's several provisions that is requiring DOD at the same time this internal review is happening to do an external review, if you will. So so DOD is in the middle of delivering several reports to Congress, to the House and Senate Armed Services Committees. And the Government Accountability Office also is starting to look into the CMMC program. Now, in the NDA, it requires, for instance, a... uh, a report within six months and a briefing for an independent assessment of uh, CMMC. And in fact, uh, the NDA requires DOD to withhold any funding, uh, 60% of all funding for CMMC until that plan with timelines and pilot activities and auditing and uh, crediting body relationships and, and other pieces and parts is submitted to Congress. They had one report due March 1st. Now there's some reporting out there that says that has been delayed by at least a month. So uh, obviously here we are April, so it's probably going to be delayed another month after this. But what I'm told by sources who are familiar with the CMMC is that what the internal review is looking at and what of what the external reviews are asking for are very similar. And a lot of the information that's happening is being shared among both the internal and external reviews. So I think that that's a good sign that they're not just doing a paperwork drill. They're not just lighting fires in, in over here and lighting fires over there requiring that, that could end up hurting the program or causing further delays. So I, I would say, Tom, it, it would be interesting to see what Congress does in the spring if they get these reports and actually hold hearings or if they're just if the reports become shelfware or it somehow influences the 2023 <laughs> NDAA that's in process. And maybe someday we'll get the skinny budget to see what they're thinking about for this year. 
That's very true, too. We could see that, some CMMC comments, some funding requests from the administration as well. So I'd like to – it's something else to watch out for as it goes forward. Now, Tom, the other piece of this that's interesting that I think is related to all this internal and external reviews is because of how long this is taking to set up, some of those initial pilots, I think DOD named seven or eight pilots off the bat back in December, some of those are no longer going to be piloted in CMMC right away because of the – time it's taking to set up the program, it's it's putting too much pressure on the acquisitions and they can't wait for DOD to get CMMC set up. And what I'm being told actually is what they may say is in year two or year three of this contract, you must be CMMC level three certified, let's say, as an example. So I think that's another interesting tact they're taking is to say, we're going to word this contract today, but in the future, you must be CMMC certified. So something else for contractors to look out for. Lots of moving parts. Federal News Network's Jason Miller. Thanks so much. Always a pleasure, Tom. Check out his reporter's notebook at federalnewsnetwork.com. We now bring you a special presentation from our friends at WEPA. Shane, thanks for joining us. Can you tell us about WEPA and your new podcast? Mike, great to see you again. The podcast series, Lessons in Leadership, what we're trying to do is, is take a deeper dive, a different angle into the conversation around leadership with great leaders at all levels of government. Uh, since the 1900s, leadership has been studied in a serious and academic way. Uh, great man theory, the leader-follower theory, the inspirational leader, transformational leader, all of these are backward-looking um, development of styles, looking at an individual, figuring out how they did leadership, and then translating it into a form that we can use today to learn, to perhaps emulate, copy. But great leaders, they have more than one style. I think, I truly think that a great leader can adapt and transform into the role that's needed at that time. So, what we're trying to do is, is talk to great leaders and go a level deeper. Tell us about your, a story in your past. Tell us an inspiration that really affected your ability to lead others. And this certainly applies in the uh, federal space. The federal government, it's over 2 million employees. Great leaders are throughout the federal government, both at the top and the middle ranks. And what we want to do is Ask them to pull inside their memory, pull inside their personal history, find those moments in time when they were changed, they were inspired, they learned something about leadership from another person, perhaps it was uh, from themselves, and they brought that to the workplace and they inspired other and became great leaders. So that's what we're trying to do with the podcast. Okay, so I, I get that you wanted to start with leadership, but what makes leadership such an important topic right now for federal workers? Great question. Leadership today is tested like never before. Um, Today's, if I had to put a leadership style, if I had to put names to it, we hear about um, empathetic, we hear transparent, we hear uh, inspirational. So today we have COVID, we have a down economy, we have people... We have social uh, injustice that we're dealing with. There are many new factors. And it's drawing, like never before, on a leader's ability to 
pull from within themselves and adapt to the current change. So leadership today is almost brand new again. We're taking all kinds of different styles, attributes, learnings that leaders have. They're looking at the current situation that we're in and understanding how do I move groups of people? How do I move my employees? How do I inspire? How do I get them to the next best place? So I think leadership today, this conversation uh, is extremely relevant, perhaps more relevant than it's been in several decades. You know, we talk about an employee's personal route to growth, but what role does the management side have in this? I think in the federal government, it's, it's a little bit different than it is in the private sector. Uh, my father was a civilian federal employee. Uh, he joined the federal government in the 1960s. Uh, John Kennedy, he was inspired by ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. He had opportunities to go in the private sector. That notion of service inspired him. It inspired an entire generation. I would like to think that call to service, which is unique in, in the federal space, in the government space, still exists today. Well, that about says it all. But is anything else you'd want the audience to know about you personally or WEPA as an, as an organization? Uh, I have been uh, around the group affinity insurance world for um, three decades. Uh, led This is my second uh, major organization that I've led. And I will tell you that we impart this feeling. Uh, you mentioned it, Mike, about service, this notion. We serve those who serve. And uh, I will tell you that it's refreshing. It's a blessing to be there. And <clears throat> I have so much respect for civilian federal employees at every level of government. In this podcast, we're hoping to talk to leaders which are similarly inspired and can share their learnings over a lifetime. And uh, this will be useful information uh, for anybody in government service. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.